This episode of Sweating the Small Stuff is brought to you by Podfaves.com. You love podcasts, but it's hard finding that next bingeable listen. Podfaves takes out the guesswork by curating a list of the best shows out there, so you can spend less time searching and more time listening. That's P-O-D-F-A-V-S dot com. And now that you know, let's get on with the show. Hello all, and welcome to Sweating the Small Stuff, a show where we sweat over the details that make our world richer. I'm your personal brain trainer, Cameron Boozer Jamari, and back in the studio with us for another round of the incredible ways music is reshaping your world, Scott Holmdahl. Would you like to say hi, Scott? Uh, yeah, thanks again for having me. Uh, <laughs> so I went a little over time on the on the first one, but I got a couple more uh, more things to ramble about today. No worries. So on the first episode, we talked about the emulation of real sounds and then the emulation of old sounds. And it sounds like today we're going to get a little more, I guess, futuristic and at the same time somehow more vintage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Talk, d- d- discuss a little bit of the math uh, behind music and then um, kind of culminate everything and in, in kind of the what does this all mean for the future of music and music technology. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get going. So um, but thing I had noticed while digging more into music production is how heavily integrated math and music are. And I'm sure Anyone who's, who's uh, you know, done a few years of high school band is, is at least familiar with that to some degree. But I was shocked at how much uh, electrical engineering mm-hmm. overlapped with, um, with, with music. I mean, it is fundamentally built on sine waves. Um, I mentioned I, I breadboarded a, a small synth with just tuning variable resistors to change the pitch of like this, this, like this, this, um, the small breadboarded synth. Yeah, when I was in uh, my undergraduate doing, uh, I did computer engineering, which had a lot of electrical engineering. The first thing we built was an amplifier. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, it's on a breadboard or at scale, it is the same fundamental thing that we've been playing with for so long. It's electrical engineers that make those rock concerts so rocking. Yeah. So I love that phrase. I might have to steal that. Go for it. Um, It's all yours. One of of the other areas that I think that there's, there's, um, a ton of math in a very interesting way is music theory, mm. um, which is kind of broadly, how do you combine notes into chords? How do you combine chords that sound good in sequence with one another? And th- actually, this is something that blows my mind. I didn't know this until recently, and I felt stupid for not knowing it because I'd spent my whole life doing like percussion, marching band, and all sorts of stuff. Every octave is supposed to just be the different frequencies of the same notes. But the reason certain chords and notes go so well together is because when you start them all at the same time, even though each one has a different frequency, basically a different distance between each peak, at some point, all those peaks line up again. And when those peaks line up again on the beat is what makes those chords so satisfying. Mm -hmm. So like major chords, minor chords, all of them are built around this frequency matching. Mm -hmm. And I I felt like it's so fundamental and simple and obvious but it took so much of my life so much of my knowledge to come together for me to understand how elegantly beautiful that is yeah and and yeah so to 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 put that into like more concrete terms let's let's say you have a note that's oscillating at 100 hertz Mm -hmm. even though that would be an extremely low near nearing sub frequencies outside of the range of human hearing but um let's say you have that note 
and you want to build a chord, a major chord, which has the third note in that scale mm -hmm. and the fifth note in that scale, and then you want to play that same note one octave up, that's going to math out almost exactly to 100 hertz, and then your third is going to be one and a third times or four thirds times 100 hertz, so 133.3 mm -hmm. hertz. Your, your fifth in that scale is going to be 150 hertz, 50% mm -hmm. more than your original note, and then your octave up is going to be exactly twice whatever your kind of fundamental frequency was. I was probably doing production for like three or four months when I was looking at a little spectrum analyzer and I was mm -hmm. like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> these, just line These up. are all like perfect fractions of each other. Exactly. <laughs> and that's that goes right back to it. It's like, it's just for all you people out there who are doing music right now and think, aha, I've avoided science and math. No, you didn't. <laughs> it followed you into music. Yeah. And so, so one of the really interesting side results of that is, um, so we mentioned how they line up at certain points. If you think about, um, my, my item or my, my, my note that's going at hundred Hertz and my note that's going at 150, you're going to get, um, for every two periods of your hundred Hertz note, you're going to get three periods of the 150 Hertz note, and then they're going to sync up at the same point and essentially restart together. Mm -hmm. You can imagine these these syncs on a very low note are going to be relatively infrequent. Whereas if you had a very high pitch note where you're operating in the, you know, thousands of hertz range versus, you know, 60 to, to 90 hertz, it's going to be happening. You're, the, the syncing is going to be happening every 10 milliseconds versus every second. Mm hmm which is why pretty much all chord stacks, and I'll say more broadly, all instruments are written in a way that your bass notes, your bass instruments are going to be almost exclusively playing your kind of fundamental frequency. Mm -hmm. As you get into kind of the mid range, they might be doing something a little bit complex, like maybe playing the, the first and the fifth, maybe the third, mm -hmm. maybe an octave up. When you get up to your higher range notes, because those notes are, are going so fast, you can get really crazy with what you want to do. Instead of doing a four thirds or a, a three um, seconds, if you want to play the seventh of a scale, which would be the note right below the next octaves note, which is happening at 15 eighths, you can get away with doing that because it's happening so fast that, you know, the fact that they sync up eventually, uh, it's a relatively short period to get those 15 eighths to sync. Compared to if you did a 15 eighths down at 100 hertz. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure I explained that effectively, but I, I, I just thought that was really interesting about how you write for different interested or different different instruments based on the uh, frequency of the yeah. the notes that they're playing. Like higher, you're going to write for higher instruments much more. I, I guess they're a lot more staccato or they can be a lot just faster. They mm -hmm. can have faster notes because that those notes are going to hit each other more quickly because they have a very short yep. frequency. They have a short distance. And then obviously lower instruments, they have those like carrying sounds because mm -hmm. again, they have, um, it takes a lot longer for them to sync up. Yep. I, that just, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, composers have realized that for centuries oh, yeah. it's, and centuries I mean, it's, and centuries. It's something that like, you didn't need to do the math. Like anyone who's played instruments mm -hmm. I'm, at some point is going to notice like, that's just what sounds pleasant to the human ear. Cause yep. that's the funniest thing is like, Everything that we've discussed so far is just all a product of what we as humans like. Mm -hmm. And I, I just find it so interesting that these kind of rules of thumb are just, they're just built in math generally. Yeah. It took people a while to figure out why things sound good 
Mm -hmm. But um, at the end of the day, I just think it all comes back to how you're how you're combining sine waves in different ways. I, I, that might be an over that is an oversimplification, but um, that was one of those that just kind of blew my mind when I when I um, first started digging into that. So the so the last point I wanted to get at that at least loosely ties in everything. Yeah, is, this, uh, is, this is the culmination of all <laughs> these points. Um, Let, let's recap the three points we've gotten over so far. So the first one was synthetically creating noise and the the atmospheres in which they exist. Mm -hmm. That was the first one, making things sound real. Yes, the second one was not just making things sound real, but almost adding imperfection to enhance that. Mm -hmm. And then the last one had to do with kind of how these different noises at most their most fundamental level, they have a math behind them. They have a science mm -hmm. behind them that we've kind of been discussing up until this point. Mm -hmm. So now it all comes together. And how's it come together? So the the kind of culminating, at least loosely coherent point to all of this is um I think that the next one of the next big leaps we're going to make in music is um, introducing more AI to the point where where you have some machine learning algorithm developing music mm -hmm. and knowing, having been trained off of you know centuries and centuries of of music people have liked it's it finds new ways to combine all these elements. It finds new math that people haven't thought to incorporate. And it develops completely unique and, and undiscovered music for people. Um, you think about Shazam is extremely effective AI at mm -hmm. identifying what song is what better than any human could possibly be. Yeah, and it's just doing that based on identifying the patterns and the notes and looking up what music in its database matches that pattern. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I always... I, I think about um, there's a com an old computer vision um, related uh, kind of example of if you took an algorithm and you trained it to identify toasters, you, you know, you showed it 10,000 photos of a toaster, it would get really, really good at identifying toasters. But then if you asked it what a toaster looks like, mm -hmm. it's going to be nonsense. It's going to be, you know, jumble of pixels, features combined in weird ways that mm -hmm. may resemble a toaster, but generally look meaningless to us. So it's basically taking all of this real world data and creating something that no human would ever think to produce off of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I, I am personally very excited about the way that that could affect music. Maybe, maybe 90% of what it makes is just crap, mm -hmm. <laughs> but there's that new 10% that, you know, people are going to look at that and be like, huh, I never even would have thought to like approach, approach music production in this way. I mean, that's true of like any profession. I feel like any artist feels that way where they're producing 90% or even 99% junk. Mm -hmm. But that 1%, the 1% that they're going to get noticed for is the product of all that learning. The only difference is a machine can do it tirelessly. Yes. A machine doesn't feel this loss of will when people don't look at their art or listen to their music because it's like, it's just going to keep going. And um, actually to help you out here, there is... I know there are different projects working on this, but um, Swiss researchers, according, let me give you the title of this, From Mozart to Botsart, When Machines Write Our Music. All right, phys.org, phys.org, you guys are just crushing it on the titles game. Um, from an article in 2017, they actually point out that there is the deep artificial composer, the DAC, um, is being created by researchers in a uh, university in uh, 
Lausanne, Lausanne, Switzerland. They're, they're Swiss researchers. Yeah. And basically the way it's working is it's um, an algorithm that's designed to deep learn. It's a form of machine learning that I, I don't know how familiar our audience will be with machine learning, but it's basically this idea that you have the machine going in and analyzing down to the like individual elements of the spectrum per beat of a, a piece of music. In this case, they're using Mozart as the example. You feed it Mozart. It's not just like listening to Mozart. It's saying like digitally, these are like where all the pieces of the waveform add up to make Mozart. Now I'm going to take what I've learned, just like you said right here with the toaster, and figure out how to make Mozart. And so then it's able to spit out a quote unquote novel piece, which is in a way just like a hodgepodge of maybe it's really great, maybe it's complete garbage, but at some point it will produce something someone likes. Yeah, there's there's a guy named um, I think it's Mike Gao um, who produces kind of hip hop, and he has this idea that in maybe not our lifetime, but there's gonna music will become increasingly customized in the sense that let's say I don't want just Mozart, I want Mozart combined with Kanye West combined with like I don't know Paula Abdul, mm -hmm. and those are my three things, and I want some uh, machine learning algorithm to produce a weird um a Hodge combination yeah. of those of those three um and so he it, 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 he basically has this idea that which i'm not sure is going to be realized in our lifetime if at all mm -hmm. that basically music will become like custom generated to be exactly what you want in that moment that sounds equal parts fantastic and horrifying yeah because <laughs> that's going to be like the next level of google knows exactly what you want yeah <laughs> so that was i, I, I that was kind of all that i had i i um I'm just very fascinated to see how music um, is changed by modern tech. Because I think, I mean, when you still have dudes who playing Wonderwall at parties with like a guitar and you compare that to like how fast like other technology has developed in that same time frame. Wait, way to totally dunk on all the dudes <laughs> playing Wonderwall out there. I'm sure at least half of them make up the listenership <laughs> to this podcast. Um but my point is what's still popular with people is, is, is relatively antiquated compared to how far music technology has come. And I, and I, I'm, I'm very interested to see how in, in my lifetime, how, how the landscape of what people enjoy changes. Mm -hmm. If it is, you know, do we have to have music rooted in a person who has an image and is tangible yeah. or will we reach a point where machines are the most popular artists and different bots are, you know, yeah. populating the top 40. Actually, something I wanted to point out, with the advent of AI-driven music, we don't have to limit ourselves just to the audio elements anymore. Like, I'm sure anyone who had Windows XP or pretty much any Windows media player knows that, like, you could play a song and it would randomly generate some sort of visual oh, yeah, image yeah, yeah, for yeah. you, right? It's some pattern or something that, like, this is the music, this is what's going on, on screen. But now you actually have, like, AI, you could feed it music videos and have it make you a music video based on music videos mm -hmm. where the music and the visual elements are completely based on whatever you fed it. And th this is just one of the things about technology is technology is this weird thing that allows you to translate between mediums. So suddenly sound isn't just limited to what you hear. Mm -hmm. It's what you see. It can be what you experience at so many levels. And yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see where this kind of thing goes. So thank you so much for bringing us all these awesome ideas. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. So is there anything else you'd like to let us know before we go? No, just thank you for having me. Um, 
Well, let me ask where can if we want to listen to some of your bedroom beats, <laughs> um, where uh, where can uh, we check them out, or where can we find you to just like you know get in touch and learn more about all the awesome stuff you get to do? Uh, I have a SoundCloud. Uh, it's that uh, I'm hoping we keep this podcast low key because I don't publicize it besides to my uh, my, my immediate friends and family. But uh, I guess I'm on the spot. Um, I mean, for the, don't for don't the, put yourself on for blast. The, for the record, uh, the name is a cheesy reference to an inside joke from my eighth grade chemistry class. So it's instantly going to be offensive and terrible. No, no, no. It's not. It's not. It's just kind of nerdy. Uh, the name is Willie Crooks after Sir William Crooks. I, it was <laughs> just a joke. It was nice. just a joke to, with one of my buddies. We were, we were learning about two chemists and I was like, oh, man, I'm so cool. I'm, I'm, my rap name would be really Willie Crooks, but you'd be like – you know, Francis Bacon or something like how that. Do you spell, how do you spell that? <laughs> but it's W-I-L-L-Y um, space C-R-O-O-K-E-S. And it just really got under his skin. And it, <laughs> when I when I had to make a SoundCloud name, it was the first thing that popped into my mind. So There's nothing to be ashamed of there. That is awesome. And yeah, thank you so much for coming in. Um, for all you listening at home, if you haven't already, please do go like, subscribe, share this episode with a friend. I'm sure you have plenty of friends who like to learn more about how music is completely just adding this incredibly new layer to how we experience the world and how machines and artificial intelligence might be coming along to play a pretty big role in that. So please do go like, share it with a friend. And if you want to get in touch with us, we're Small Stuff Show on all social media. And we have a subreddit, our Small Stuff Show, where you are more than welcome to come and comment on this episode's post. Till then, I'm your personal brain trainer, Cameron Buzard-Dumeri, reminding you, from movies to media to the world around us, it's details like these that make it worth sweating the small stuff. Have fun. Love that sign-off. <laughs> <laughs>